Our first scripture reading today comes from Psalm 4. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you seek vain words and seek after lies? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Selah. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep for you alone, O Lord. Make me dwell in safety. The second reading is from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 27 and 31. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. The word of the Lord. We are giving up things for Lent. Not chocolate, but things that really... Uh, empty us of what keeps us from being more fully who the Lord wants us to be. We carry a lot of things inside of us. Some of those things, many of those things are good. Some of those things aren't so good. Fear and worry aren't things that we want to carry. And how much stronger would our faith and our trust be if we could give those things up, give up fear and worry? Today we come to giving up anger. Now, anger isn't always bad. Uh, there's good anger and there's, you might say, bad anger. There's, there, there, there's righteous anger and there's unrighteous anger. I mean, Jesus got angry. One time he was in the synagogue and he saw a man with a withered hand. And Jesus also knew that the religious leaders were watching to see if he would break the various Sabbath laws, which had become so twisted that healing on the Sabbath was seen as breaking the Sabbath. I know that sounds crazy to us. And Jesus asked those leaders watching him, kind of policing him, he said, now is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm? To save life or to kill it? And it says they were silent. And Jesus got angry. It says Jesus was angry at them for their silence, grieved at their hardness of heart. That's righteous anger. When you see people who cannot even help a person in need. We should be angry at things like the human slave trade and at mass shootings and when people are demeaned or when children go hungry. There's an anger that can be helpful. There's a time to march. There's a time to stand up and say something. 
What we want to give up is unrighteous anger. Is that anger that just wounds, that makes the whole thing worse. Relationships, us, the world. I asked Taylor, my barista at the local coffee house this week, what makes her angry? I said, Taylor, what's going on? What makes you angry? She, she gave a, a list of several things, including lies, people who lie, and people who treat others inhumanely. And I said, Taylor, how do you deal with your anger? And uh, Taylor, the barista, said, uh, well, she tries to breathe, disassociate from what's making her angry, calm herself down. She said she tries to see things from the other person's perspective. Then she refilled my French roast. I said, thank you. I'll tell you what makes me angry. When I mail something that's within Salt Lake City and it takes a week to get there. Or I tell you what even, what's even worse is when I mail something within Salt Lake City and it never gets there. It just disappears into some postal black hole. Where did it go? And then they keep raising rates on me. That makes me angry. I'll tell you what makes me angry. When my football team turns the ball over or can't convert on third down, I know that makes John Woods angry too. He's a Raider fan. We text one another during games as a way of, de as a way of dealing with our anger, as a way of coping. There's a lot of, are you okay, texts that go back and forth between us sometimes on Sundays. People who take two parking spots, that makes me angry. Erasers that don't work. You know, it just smears black all over the place and makes a mess. I mean, you are designed to do one thing and one thing alone. Can you not get that right? I just, I just find it helpful. Throw it across the room and yell. It makes me feel much better. This might be the ultimate. I get angry when I'm at a left turn light and the guy in front of me, when it turns green, is sitting there with his head down texting. And he doesn't see the left-hand light turn green, and we sit there, and finally he looks up, it turns yellow, he goes through, and I'm waiting there for the next left-hand turn green light. Just stokes me, and I get home, and I'm muttering and kicking things, and Nancy says, and what is up with you? But of course, these aren't the things that really cause that deep, lingering anger within us. Um, most of the time, we are angry because someone did something to us. They hurt us, or they hurt someone we love. Uh, they lied to us. They lied about us. They said something that really pierced us. They, they broke bonds of trust. They took something from us. And sometimes those things can be very personal, uh, very hard, very life-altering. That's what makes us angry. The psalmist said, be angry, but don't sin. Psalm 4 is the cry of a person who is in distress and seeks relief. People are telling lies about him. They are attacking his reputation, making life miserable. When, when our reputation is attacked, that makes us angry. He's angry. And it's messing with his sleep. The word for anger in the psalm uh, can also be translated, and maybe it reads like this in your Bible, can mean trembling or to be agitated. It's a word that 
talks about anger that just shakes us to the core where we are physically just affected. It drains us of all peace and we're so angry we find no rest. Psalm 4 is considered an evening psalm, a nighttime psalm because it speaks about sleep. And there are days in the life of every person we've known them when we need a psalm like this at the end of the day because it's been a day like that. And the psalmist says, be angry and do not sin. Ponder it in your own hearts, on your beds, and be silent. Selah. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. Paul, will you switch that slide for me there? Now, we aren't sure what the word selah means. Comes up all the times in the Psalms. I just want to talk about this word, and but we're not sure. But we think it means to stop, to pause, to reflect. What Taylor, the barista, would say: breathe. The psalmist says, "Entrust your anger to God." The psalmist doesn't offer a solution for the problem of anger, but he but he offers a, a, a therapy, which is prayer. We have to trust the situation to God because ultimately it is God who matters. And however deeply we are bothered, God can provide the inner peace that we need. We have to take it to God. Now, giving it to God doesn't change the circumstances, but it'll change us. Keeps us from taking out our anger in a way that's only going to hurt, that's going to cause further damage to us and others. If all I'm doing is plotting opportunities and making excuses for some plan of vengeance to satisfy my rage and supposedly fix the issue, I am moving in a direction that is away from God. Psalm 4, if you read it, it moves from being burdened to a place of confidence and peace. By the end, the psalmist says that he in peace can lie down and sleep because the Lord makes him safe. Now, Paul, interestingly, quotes Psalm 4 in his writings in the Ephesians. And um, he's writing about how to live in Christ. Paul, he's, he's talking about the new self created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. And he picks up the wisdom of Psalm 4 about being angry but not acting out on our anger in a way that is sinful. And then Paul adds this, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Maybe you've heard that saying. Well, this is where it comes from. And what that means is to not nurse our anger. Uh, Deal with it. Reconcile with the person or that experience. Now, that may not always be something that we can literally do by the time the sun comes down, but it needs to be dealt with sooner than later as far as it is in our ability to do that. The image of the sun going down might be a way of saying there's a time limit to our anger and holding on to it. Now, Paul also says, don't give the devil a foothold. Anger opens the door for Satan to come in where he can just build a nest of resentment and bitterness inside of us, and it leads to tons of other ugliness. Never give the devil a ride because pretty soon he's going to want to drive. Then in verse 31, Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. And all of those things just kind of feed off one another. And the word for rage refers to those sudden, severe outbursts of anger. 
And the word for anger refers to long-lived anger, that anger that just seethes for months and we nurse it and it just only makes us bitter, more bitter. Having a bad temper, being irritable, uncontrolled anger, that's not good anger. That's, that's bad anger. And to live in Christ, we have to get rid of it. We need to give it up. And the Scriptures say, eradicate it from ourselves. It grieves the Holy Spirit. Thomas Hollick described it like this. Anger for us is like wine for alcoholics. They don't know their limit or when to stop. All they can do is give up intoxicating drinks for good. And anger can be like that for us. Are we going to rationalize our anger? Are we going to trust our own internal thermometer and, and entertain anger, telling ourselves, you know, it really doesn't control me. It's not a problem. Do we know when we're in emotionally dangerous territory? Sometimes I get angry. You get angry. Sometimes I erupt and I say something or I do something and I say, where did that come from? What is going on in me that made me just respond like that? My spiritual director helped me see that anger can often be a result of unresolved grief. We have these subterranean caverns of grief deep inside of us that, that have never been dealt with, that, and they're just kind of bubbling away, and it emerges on the surface as anger. When we're hurt, when we lose someone or something that we loved, when we experience sadness, when we're frustrated, it causes grief. And if that grief is just continually pushed down and never really dealt with, it can make us grow angry. That's how it kind of surfaces. I remember a woman I met many years ago. She was elderly, just the sweetest little old lady you would ever want to meet, not an angry bone in her body. When her husband died, who she loved very much, and this woman, by the way, she loved flowers, and she had beautiful, beautiful gardens in her house and around her, her, her house. And, and when her husband died, who she loved very much, she was so angry in her grief that she went home and in a rage tore up all her flower beds by hand, just yanked them out. When I heard this, I couldn't imagine it because she just seemed so mild, but it spoke to me how grief can really bring up anger within us. And better to pull out the flower beds than go and hurt somebody, to be sure. So if we feel angry, if we feel it, see it seeping out of our lives, we might want to ask what we're grieving and have I really addressed that? The psalmist knew it involves being able to trust it to God, acknowledging what we feel, but giving it to the Lord. We have to trust that he knows the hurt. He knows what we suffer. We have to trust that he can help. Liz Kelly, in her book, Jesus Approaches, uh, says this about our emotional pain, about our emotional pain. And I think uh, this is so helpful, so I want us to go through this um, slowly. Um, it can be the hardest thing when intuitively it should be the easiest to let go of the pain, to truly and completely entrust it to Jesus, to place it at the foot of the cross and never pick it up again. Our pain is precious to us. 
It defines us and marks us and tells us what matters. And to let it go can feel like saying, this doesn't matter to me anymore. But that's not what Jesus is asking. He's not asking us to let go of our identity or to deny what is precious to us or to say that our pain is unimportant. Letting go is a much more nuanced and liberating maneuver of heart than that. Instead, Jesus is asking us to give him this most precious pain so he may put comfort in its place. He's asking us to anchor our identity in him. He who is able to redeem all pain, make it worthy, powerful, transformative, a force for good in the world and in us to give it a proper and eternal horizon. He does this because he receives it perfectly, knows it completely, carries it entirely, easily for us. He does this because he loves us so mightily. Anger is something that has to be given up. We give up our desire for vengeance. We give up our desire to see someone else get their just desserts. Sometimes we wait for that and we only become more angry because it doesn't seem to be coming. But as we keep coming back to in this Lenten sermon series, when we give up something, there's also something to take up. We give something up, but we also take up something. And there's something to take up which always counters what we give up. And the way to give up anger is to take up mercy. It's to take up forgiveness. It is to take up love. It's to take up self-control. There's something in, in old Christian monastic writings that talks about anger being the seed of compassion. Anger being the seed of compassion. The epicenter of our anger can also be the very place of our deepest compassion. How has that person who hurt me been hurt? What have they been suffering that has nothing to do with me? What might they be going through that I can't see, I don't know, and it's leading them to treat me like this? Where right now is my compassion needed? Now, that's not an excuse or justifying of someone or what they do. But it takes a strength and a maturity to feel and consider for another person. It takes a strength and it takes a maturity to pray as our Lord did on the cross when he said, forgive them, Lord, they don't know what they do. It's not a matter of being angry. We all get angry. It's normal to be angry. It's about how we deal with our anger. And we're not asked to erase the memory of the wrong. We are asked to give it up so that we don't get dragged into the playing field of evil. We give it up so we don't give the devil a foothold. We won't forget the wrong, but we give up pointing the finger and blaming because doing that only feeds our sense of victimhood. Uh, Richard Rohr, who is a Franciscan priest and a writer, many of you, I think, read him, and, and, and he's a blogger, I think, too, and, and I, I know some of you like his works. And, and he points out, if we remain the victim, if we just remain the victim, we don't have to grow up, we don't have to let go, forgive, or surrender. We just have to accuse someone else of being worse than we are. 
And the problem with that is that our identity and our sense of self becomes very fragile. I mean, what help is that? I have found it helpful to choose not to treat the other person according to how they treat me, but to treat the other person based on how God treats me. And that is with a whole lot of mercy. I don't always do it well. I don't always get it right the first time. But that is what I've learned is better than striking in anger or nursing it. God desires us to be merciful. Jesus said, yes, I know it says in the Hebrew Scriptures, an eye for an eye, and I know you've heard it said, love your neighbor but hate your enemy. But I say to you, Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you so that you may be children of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his Son rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. He is sending snow on the just and the unjust this morning. Doesn't matter. Please, Jesus, can't I get one good lick in just one good lick? Please. Nope. After Paul says, get rid of all the forms of anger, he writes this, and you can find it in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, the next verse. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive each other just as in Christ God forgave you. And maybe I can be less angry if I give myself to more of this and trust God with all of it. What a healing can happen in our world, in our nation, in our families, in our hearts, if we give up anger for Lent. Let's pray. And whatever it is that's stirring anger in you right now, whoever it is, in this time of silent prayer, bring it to God. Bring it to God. Amen.